what is the success rate for this type of therapy right now? Yeah, about 70%, which mm-hmm. is pretty high for any cancer therapy, especially for folks who are kind of way down that road. They've been through chemotherapy, they've been through radiation therapy, and there's just no controlling their leukemia and lymphoma. And this offers an amazing reversal in their story. Welcome to the Regenerative Warrior Podcast, Doctor's Edition. One of the fastest growing regenerative medicine and anti-aging podcasts in the world. Each and every Tuesday and Thursday, I talk to the top experts to show doctors how to market, manage, and magnify their practice to help more people and make more money. Each episode is short and to the point without wasting your time with pointless conversation. Learn the skills to be successful without traveling to seminars or paying for expensive consulting fees. Are you ready? Because I am. I'm Dr. Ross Carter, and it's time to start the Regenerative Warrior Podcast now. Two things before we get started. The views expressed by our guests are not necessarily those of Dr. Carter or this podcast. One of our podcast partners has just announced special pricing for our listeners. Wharton's Jelly Allograph for $475 per cc. You heard that right, only $475. White papers are available. This is for a limited time, so act now. Why pay double or triple the price from other providers? To learn more or to order, text your name and the word JELLY, J-E-L-L-Y, to 561-962-1231. Write that down. It's 561-962-1231. On with the show. So the CAR stands for Chimeric Antigen Receptor. A chimera is a fusion of things. And the antigen is the tumor type that you want to target, so it has an antigen. So chimeric antigen receptor, the R's for the receptor, you put it on the outside of these T cells. And then you can direct it so you give these T cells a destination. And then the T cells do what T cells do. So once they go to this antigen of interest, What you've done in the chimera part is you've fused the inside part of this receptor with the signaling part from a normal T cell. So it sees this antigen on a tumor cell, it electrifies this receptor, and then the T cell does what it does. It then starts attacking, secreting these cytokines to kill whatever it's just bound to. Okay, so can you walk me through how it works in terms of a patient. So what conditions, first of all, does it really treat? Yeah, so we're the first to get this into the clinic, and we're using an autologous CAR-T cell program, and we treated a number of patients that have gone into full remission from diffuse B-cell lymphomas, okay? And they were given like two months to live. And how the therapy works is that you take a little bit of blood, from the cancer patient, and then you enrich for just the leukocytes or the immune cells, and then we enrich for just the T cells. So now we've got these T cells from this cancer patient, and then we use a vector to then put in this CAR, right, this chimeric antigen receptor molecule. And we can engineer it to go then and attack any molecule that we want in this program for B-cell lymphomas, we're going to go after a molecule that's on these B-cell tumors called CD19. So we use these, it's called an anti-CD19 CAR. 
So we put it into these T cells from this cancer patient, and then we grow them, we expand them. So you've got millions of them. Okay. And then we characterize it, and then it goes right back into that same patient. And the reason why that part is important is because the immune system from very early on in differentiation self-identifies, right? So you can't just take immune cells, say like for me, and put it in you, right? <laughs> because it causes uh, huge amounts of inflammation and sometimes even death. So you can get brain swelling and all this uh, weird stuff. So you're talking about the autologous, right? Yeah, it's totally graft versus host. Yes. So that's the autologous means from the same. Right now, this treatment, it's commercial, and it's being used to help, I think, 50 patients a day now with this B-cell condition. And what we've observed is complete B-cell lymphoma clearance within two months, and it stays gone because now in this cell-based therapy, they have engrafted, essentially, into the bone marrow. So every time this B-cell lymphoma wants to start up again, your immune system now has these new instructions. It says no way, and it kills it. So what is the success rate for this type of therapy right now? Yeah, about 70%, which mm -hmm. is pretty high for any cancer therapy, especially for folks who are kind of way down that road. They've been through chemotherapy. They've been through radiation therapy, and there's just no controlling their leukemia and lymphoma. And this offers an amazing reversal in their story. And, you know, we have, so Kite sponsors every once in a while have these patients come and talk to us here where we manufacture and engineer these T-cells. And there's amazing stories. There was this woman in Maryland, you know, she's a hairdresser. And uh, she was given a month to live. And she had been through chemo, radiation, and she had kind of said, okay, I guess that's it, I'm done. And thankfully, she listened to her doctor said, look, there's this new clinical trial that's happening. And this is about three years ago. She said, you know, I'm going to roll you in this, and I want you to give it a shot. And so her doctor convinced her to try it, and she did it. And now she's three years cancer-free. She came over here to meet us and just kind of tell us her story. And it's, it's those things where you just go, wow, you know, the power of engineering biotherapeutics is really amazing. How did her body react? I mean, what did she notice? I mean, what were her yeah. changes mm -hmm. that she noticed? As to, you know? Yeah. It's interesting you ask that because now physicians actually look for this. So you get this infusion, right? So your cells come back to you now after they've been engineered, and you just wait. And she said she was so anxious, and she was worried that her cells weren't good enough and weren't going to do this. And after about 12 hours, she started running a fever. And then everybody got excited. They said, yes, that's the first sign because oh. your immune system just got kicked into gear. And you know what's going to happen next is it's going to clear out all of these B cells that are cancer. So the fever is yeah. a sign that it's working. Initially, yes. And then that okay. subsides as your tumor gets cleared. Wow. And how long does that take, by the way? Well, it depends on the tumor burden, right? I think they track, you know, certainly they track their health. And their tumors over the course of now a couple of years, but the majority of it, I don't know the average, but the most of what I have seen is about one to two months. Okay. Wow. And then there's no, there's very little to no detectable lymphoma left over. 
Sorry for the interruption again. To find out more about this speaker, become a speaker on our show, have Dr. Carter present at your event or podcast, learn more about coaching, consulting, tissue allographs, exosomes, supplements, legal help, or how to create a million-dollar business card and dominate your area, we're here to help you. Just text your name and any question to 561-962-1231. Write that down. That's 561-962-1231. Or go to our website at drrosscarter.com to learn more. Don't forget about our current $475 Warden's Jelly special. On with the show. That's amazing. Now, my understanding is that one of the challenges in this field is the cost of doing a procedure like this. So can you go over some of that information? Mm, Yeah, sure. Certainly. And that's something that we get from caregivers, from hospitals, and from the FDA is, yeah, this is phenomenal. But, you know, the cost is a couple hundred thousand dollars, right? And it is what it is because the logistics of everything, right? You have to pull out the T cells out of this cancer patient. So say this patient is somewhere in St. Louis, right? It'll come here to Los Angeles where we are. And then it goes directly to our manufacturing facility, which is we intentionally built it pretty near the airport. And so the cells come there. Then they are qualified, enriched for the T cells, engineered, expanded, and then they are frozen down into like an IV bag. Then that gets packaged up with a tracker, and then it goes right back to St. Louis, and then wherever this patient is, and then it gets infused. So every step of the way, there's a lot of analytical tests that happen. There are molecules and technology that have to go into producing these cells. The whole process takes about 17 days, and that's around-the-clock kind of work. So there's people, there's materials, and there's logistics, and, you know, the costs just add up. So it's not like it's done for $25 and he charges a few hundred thousand. It's because those are the costs that are associated with it for this autologous CAR T-cell therapy. So that's clear to everybody, right? And so we do here everything we can to reduce those costs. So we try to automate some of this stuff. We try to make the process more efficient, more effective, and faster to try to get that cost down. But another approach, and that's why I joined to work on this other CAR-T program for the same indication. So we're going to use the same CAR, anti-CD19 CAR, but instead of using a cancer patient's T-cells, we're going to start with a healthy donor, which you can get from a blood bank. So we get these healthy donor apheresis, which is the immune component of blood. We get that, we isolate their T cells, and then we do the same engineering like what we do for the autologous for a cancer patient. However, because this is now from a different donor than where it's intended to go, we have to essentially wipe out its identity. And how we do that is we knock out two genes in these T cells before we put in the car. These two genes that we're knocking out are what the T cell used to know as foreign. It was those proteins, the T cell receptors, and these other molecules called HLA molecules. We're going to remove them from the outside of these T cells. And we do that for safety. So we have to completely knock out these genes, and then we put in 
our anti-CD19 car. And these healthy donor T cells now can be manufactured in the hundreds from one batch. So the cost will go down by a thousandfold at least. So what are you saying? How, how much would a $200,000 procedure go become after using it this way? You know, I'm not in the marketing or the pricing, but certainly that could come way down to just a normal, like a transplant procedure price. And yeah. I don't have a figure on that, but it's not going to be a couple hundred thousand dollars. It's going to be significantly less. Well, that's amazing. So is so that, that being imp- implemented now? Yeah, or, or yeah that? yes. Okay. Yeah, so that's the direction we're going. And we've been doing that. I run the analytics part. So I make sure that these genes are knocked out, that we no longer have the T cells from the selfie donor that will attack everything. And I also make sure that the car is expressed. And then once we've knocked out these genes and we've expanded them, put in the car, I also have tests that I run to make sure that they still can kill lymphoma cells. We do that. How do you do that? Yeah, so we do that in vitro in cell cultures. So there are tumor cell lines that have Uh, CD19, and there are tumor cell lines that don't have CD19. So we add it to both, make sure it only kills the CD19 ones. We've also done this now with healthy donor source in mouse models that have CD19 positive B cell lymphomas, and it controls that tumor burden, and the mice live throughout the study, whereas the untreated ones typically die within seven days or so. Is there other applications that we can use this type of technology to help with other, say, cancers or other things like that? Or is it yeah, only we're looking, just this kind? Yeah, there are a number of programs going on here at Kite and other CAR-T cell companies directed at HPV and some other indications. People are just now starting to look at how can we address solid tumors because usually you can't just put a CAR on a T-cell and it just doesn't get access to the inner part or the core of, say, a solid tumor, right? So there hasn't been any success in that. But there are these other types of lymphocytes called tumor infiltrating lymphocytes or TILs that we're looking at and trying to engineer them so that they can actually get into the seed of a solid tumor and then start working to remove it like you do in blood cancers with CAR T cells. Oh, that makes sense. It's because they can't get into the cell or the complete thing. It's So that's why right. it's a, a challenge. All right. So yeah. yeah, there are some other technology hurdles that we're looking at. But certainly for malignancies of the blood system that are readily accessible by normal T-cells in circulation, those we can address pretty readily right now. But in the future, I think solid tumors are kind of the next frontier for this. I mean, imagine a treatment for pancreatic cancer or, or, uh, I mean, just so many different cancers that kill so many people that are just inoperable and, you know, there's not a lot you can do about it. That would be amazing. Yeah. You know, and to take it even a step further, and here I'm going to merge these two fields. Go ahead. So CAR-T cell therapy cannot, these T-cells cannot pass the blood-brain barrier, right? So glioblastoma or other brain cancers, right? You just can't use your normal immune system. It can't get in there. There's a bouncer there that's not going to let you in the club. And what I 
conceptually, right, and no one's working on this, is what if you could use exosomes that then could have some sort of stimulatory effect or an anti-cancer effect that can cross the blood-brain barrier and elicit an immune response in the brain. Your brain has its own small immune system, microglia, and if you could stimulate them to then remove the tumor, that would kind of merge the two fields, I think, of exosomes and immuno-oncology. Well, isn't there already like growth factors, like tumor suppressor growth factors already produced that could be used? Uh, certainly. Yep. Uh-huh. I don't know how well they work. So that's almost like chemotherapy in a way. You know, the chemicals in chemotherapy cause cells to die, right? But the side effects of that are just crazy. You're killing indiscriminately, right? You've got, you know, healthy cells dying right next to cancer cells. But if, if you can target it to ones that are, say, positive for some antigen or something bad on their surface that they, you know, they've got the wrong jacket on, so let's go target them and remove them selectively versus their healthy functioning counterparts. I think that's where the real breakthroughs are going to happen. You know, I was reading an article that talked about why elephants don't get cancer. Have you ever heard of that before? I've heard that statement, yeah. Yeah, and, and the article basically talks about a gene called P53. Are you familiar mm -hmm. with that, that gene? So Absolutely. Like, it was Molecule of the Year 15 years what, ago or was something. A, was there an award show? I didn't I didn't. Yeah, I, I, the Oscars. <laughs> I guess they have the Emmys for Molecule of the Year. I think it was on the okay. cover of Science or Nature. You have to look that up, Molecule of the Year P53. Yeah, That's it was funny. a big deal. Yeah. Sorry for the interruption again. To find out more about this speaker, become a speaker on our show, have Dr. Carter present at your event or podcast, Learn more about coaching, consulting, tissue allographs, exosomes, supplements, legal help, or how to create a million-dollar business card and dominate your area. We're here to help you. Just text your name and any question to 561-962-1231. Write that down. That's 561-962-1231. Or go to our website at drrosscarter.com to learn more. Don't forget about our current $475 Warden's Jelly special. On with the show. Because it has the ability to fix damaged DNA. Yeah. So it is the policeman for genome integrity, right? And a lot of cancers start with DNA mutations that aren't repaired well or aren't repaired at all. Mm -hmm. And P53 is kind of your street cop. It's kind of quality control for your DNA as it's replicating or if it has some sort of damage from environmental toxins or, say, your melanoma cells, if it's from UV, P53 is, is your street cop that's going to make sure your genome integrity stays intact and non-oncogenic. Now, if things go wrong with P53, then, you know, things go very wrong for that cell. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it was just a thought of, like, if we could, turn on the genes or whatever that express this, I guess it's a growth hormone? Is that a growth factor? Is that what it is? P53 is actually a kind of a chromatin binding. So when I say chromatin, that is the form of your DNA that's bound by histone. So it's a genome surveillance protein. P53 is responsive to growth hormones or other signals from the cell, but 
P53 itself transports in and out of the nucleus and is thought to be, like I said, your genome integrity QC police. Now, do we have this gene? Oh, sure. Yeah. It's a very important component of, of every cell. So mutations in P53, uh, the gene that makes that protein, if you have mutations in that, yeah, things are going to go haywire. So it's extremely important component of your cell homeostasis. Interesting, because when I was reading that article, it talked about that elephants have like 20 of these genes, and humans really have like one or two. Is that Right, so is that right, yeah. Sense? Yeah, which is, I don't know how we <laughs> survived on that, but yeah, if you've got more cops on the street, you're going to have less crime, right? And so that makes sense for how elephants protect the integrity of their genome so that they don't have things that go haywire. Do you think that epigenetics has a part in this? I mean, can it play a part? Can the genes that suppress cancer in our own bodies over time stop producing or stop stop working? Yes, exactly. So epigenetics refers to, so remember how I talked about we have this library of books um, in our cell? So every cell has the same library, right? But not all the books are read for each cell. Some cells are just going to read the eyeball section, right, and become, you know, uh, cells that build your eyeball. Right, yeah, you know. and eyeball, um, okay. (laughs) Right. So if if, why are you restricted to this eyeball section, right? And it's because even though you've got the rest of the library there, right, it's because of epigenetics. So the rest of that library is actually closed down, taped off if you will. And epigenetics refers to that the DNA is actually methylated, chemically altered, so that expression factors can't access and photocopy those books. It's roped off. Even though in the library it's there, epigenetics, once a cell differentiates, it kind of seals off different parts of the library so that you're only reading your section you're supposed to, your eyeball section or whatever. Isn't that have to do with this as well as when you talk about senescent cells? Isn't that what's happening is basically they've closed the book and they're not doing anything good and they're only producing inflammation? Is that kind of accurate or is that not right? Yeah, senescence is caused by a number of different things, ultimately leading to metabolic downgrading. And so these cells just can't utilize energy anymore and they don't divide and they shed these other types of vesicles that I was telling you called apoptosomes, which contain bits of mitochondria and things like that. And so as in some cases as cells senesce, they start shedding out their garbage and things like that, which is toxic to the rest of their environment. And so you get kind of a neighborhood decline once cells go into apoptosis. And a lot of things can signal that. And I think there's still a lot of studies in what starts apoptosis or this senescence. And I'm not really an expert in that to comment much more. But if you can find a way to stop it or reverse it, I think that's one way of addressing I've heard um, some theories about using, say, like placental or let's say warden's jelly exosomes to basically open back up all the books of the cells that aren't looking at that section, you know, to to start a cell, Mm -hmm. to generate Act like they did when they were young, not like, you know, tired and old. It's basically, you know, they they get Mm -hmm. reprogrammed to say, hey, you know, start the growth process again since that process is probably, well, we stopped growing at what in our teens or right around there. So 
those, I guess, uh, genes or those whatever factors stop being stimulated. And so that part of the book, I guess, is like, okay, that's off limits for now. You need to concentrate on this section. But if we could put in an exosome that has the new program said, hey, start back into growth format. I mean, isn't that the whole concept of using exosomes as a regenerative therapy from the beginning is to stimulate our body to act like it did when it was a child if we were using an exosome from, say, placental tissue, for example. Right. So placental tissue, mesenchymal stem cells, or these cardiac progenitor CDC cells. Yeah, I think the metaphor probably still holds. You know, we were talking about the library, right? So maybe these exosomes then signal the cell to open up different parts of the library. It gives them this ability to what's called de-differentiate, which means open up the library and become amenable to signals in their environment to then become in new tissue and proliferate, you know, for tissue repair or rejuvenation. Well, and it doesn't even have to affect the DNA. It already was there. It was just not being expressed, right? Right, yeah. So the books don't change, but the access to those is what changes. So the epigenetic or the epigenome gets switched. Yeah, I mean, the potential that I've seen in this area just is exciting to me is kind of basically the thought of how to live forever young. You turn back on your growth, you know, youth genes as well as your factors and you they allow they come back off and they turn back on and kind of just keep going on and off and and you basically try to preserve as much time as you can I guess to keep your body mm-hmm. functioning as well as it could. Yeah, I think as we learn more and more about the life and death of a cell, we can then understand the life and death of their community or their tissue, their organ, their function, and turn back the clock or reopen parts of the library that were once closed off because of timing, right, and differentiation. It's a normal process, right, to close off parts of the library, and it's safe that way. But if you lose, so part of your library burns down, right, you're going to want to be able to to then, you know, rebuild, right? <laughs> yeah, I like to it burned down. All right. I think we've got some books that haven't been returned. That's right. Yeah. Or, or people check out the books and then don't bring them back. They never go back. Yeah. There's a hell of a lot of late fees. P53 is going to come find you. Exactly. <laughs> oh, these are some jokes only people like us would understand, right? Exactly. It's kind of fun, right? Give metaphors. Yeah to kind of real-life, tangible things. Exactly. Well, I think we covered so much ground. I mean, the potentials for these type of therapies, whether, you know, all of these things are just enormous to me. I think this will change the face of healthcare. And I believe not so. just go after just trying to mask symptoms, but actually see how we can actually solve the actual cause of the problem and reverse it to some degree. So I just think that is just amazing so i think that is that is the hope and the promise of biomedicine you know kind of smart medicines and biotechnology yep beautiful well i think we've covered everything this was uh well great thank you thank you for the opportunity and the invitation i really appreciate it dr carter thanks for listening to our podcast please subscribe to be notified of all new episodes and also like and share this to help us grow 
To find out more about this speaker, become a speaker on our show, to have Dr. Carter present at your event or podcast, learn more about coaching, consulting, tissue allographs, exosomes, supplements, legal help, or how to create a million-dollar business card to dominate your local area, we're here to help you. Just text your name and your question to 561-962-1231. Write that down. That's 561-962-1231. Or you can go to our website at drrosscarter.com. That's D-R-R-O-S-S-C-A-R-T-E-R.com to learn more. Until next time, this is Dr. Ross Carter signing off. Signing off.